0: We're going to be looking at um, Luke 2 um, and verses 8 to 20, which hopefully will appear um, uh, behind me. And what we're doing is we're looking at what the shepherds learned, the lessons that the shepherds learned. So we've been singing rather wonderfully about some of the truths that we know about Jesus coming down. And it's a story that our society um, knows a lot about, maybe less so nowadays, but we'll be looking at that. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll start with scripture and then we'll start to dig in and i I've been timed at home, so I did come in I did honestly. I came in within the two-hour slot, so it's fine.. Okay. So OK, so Luke 2: eight to 20. And I think this is one of the NIV versions that I'm reading from. All oh, right, It is a different version. Shall I read from there because I've got my new magic glasses on so I can actually see there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, I'll quickly pray, and we'll look at the lessons that the shepherds can teach us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that we can reflect upon this story. I want to thank you so much that we can turn to Scripture. Father, we need you. Will you bring new light, new revelation from this Scripture? It's a story we've heard so often. Father, again, open our eyes to see the glory that is here. In Jesus' name and for your name's sake. Thank you, Father. Amen. On Friday the 9th, I was driving and I turned the radio on and I heard Radio 4. And um, it was a lady um, introducing the radio program. And she said the following, Is it Charles Dickens who introduced the notion of the supernatural into the festive season? Now, <laughs> I, I, I thought, no, no, this this story, this passage that we're looking at, is packed with the supernatural we have had a sequence of events at the beginning of Luke. It's supernatural. It's saturated in the supernatural. Everything in this story, everything about Jesus coming is supernatural. We have the angel appearing to Mary to tell her about the impending birth, her pregnancy. We have the vision that Zechariah has. He sees an angel in the temple, John the Baptist's dad, about the coming um, uh, prophet he would announce. And Joseph having dreams. Um, to say no stay with Mary and God intervening supernaturally So it's obvious that this whole story is shrouded in the supernatural So the question the answer to that question. Sorry, mr. Dickens. It wasn't you. It was the lord almighty Because jesus came To radically and supernaturally change our lives Not merely to be bolted onto them and what we see in this story is We see the shepherds learning and being radically changed. Their lives are changed. And we can and should expect our lives to be changed from meeting Jesus. Because it seems to me that the normal New Testament experience is that our lives are changed when we come into a relationship, when we meet Jesus. He profoundly changes the shepherds' lives and he can profoundly change our lives. Right, this story occurs after really centuries of silence. God had been silent to the nation of Israel. But all of a sudden, there's what I'll call an explosion of grace into the history of Sheffield. Uh, I was going to say Sheffield. Yes, into the history of Sheffield. <laughs> into the history of Israel. It's, it's good news. It's incredibly good news. When we've just sung about it, it's great joy, this, this, this message of joy, that a saviour... Who is both the Messiah and Lord, and that word there is, is Yahweh, is coming. So let's look at how the shepherds reacted to that message. Okay, let's let's now walk through and see what the story tells us about how they reacted. So the shepherds, we're told, were in in the area in Bethlehem at night, um, looking after the sheep. Um, now, I had the privilege of looking at this this scripture and starting to look behind it. Now. And so some of this is new to me. I didn't know, but it says in 1 Samuel, well, I did know, but I hadn't memorized it, that in 1 Samuel 17, these are the hills and the fields in which David looked after the sheep. So when you read in 1 Samuel 15, um, David's three older brothers stayed with Saul, but David came between his dad and Saul to his, the fields in Bethlehem. These are the same fields. As David was looking at. So, I was a bit of a coincidence there. That's interesting, Father, that you, well, yeah, that's interesting. Bethlehem is a key, key place. So, these guys are looking after sheep in the fields. These are the same flocks from which, for the, for the town of Bethlehem, the sacrificial lambs would have been taken. And it's at night. Remember the story of the Passover? That happens at night? God visits at night. And something profound happens. So I'm thinking, wow, there's lots of echoes here of Scripture coming together and him fulfilling the prophecies that we hear. So that's sort of the nighttime, that's the area, that's some of the history. Let's look at these guys, these shepherds. Now, even by New Testament standards, shepherds were um, illiterate, uneducated, and rough. Okay, They were humble. They didn't need to wear a T-shirt. They were the, the lowest of the low in their society. They were... Um, um, and it's really comforting to know that because god loves the humble he loves the lowly he came for the lowly the poor and in one corinthians uh, uh verse 27 i'm not expecting all of these to flash up on the screen by the way because it might set somebody's epilepsy off but these, these, these um scriptures i'll walk through so paul says to the corinthian church but god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world to shame and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So these guys, these shepherds, were really... They are—they were the, you know, the nobodies, really, of their village, of their town. So they're rough, smelly, hard-working shepherds. And another thing, right... Like, so God doesn't bring this message to the priests or the nobles and the gentry and the kings in their palaces with all their elaborate garments and 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 um, you know lavish ceremonies. He comes to a hillside to tell the shepherds. That's a bit topsy turvy, isn't it? Why why did he not tell the bigwigs? No, because he came this way. This is the way he's chosen to reveal himself. See, he always chooses the weak. And I'm, it's taken me years to learn this. He, or he loves the weak. He loves the humble. It says in James, um, in, in, in chapter 4, that God opposes the proud, but gives favor or grace to the humble. He loves the humble. He loves to work with humble. So he's, he's loving these shepherds. And I think another thing is, it's fair to say that these guys probably had good hearts. Okay? And I'll explain that as we go on. You look at how they react. To the, the message, how they they go on to to uh, at the end of this 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 um, um, bit of scripture, they act well. They must have had good hearts. God must have seen their hearts and thought they're good hearts. I can trust these guys because God, again referring back to David, and, and you remember that story where Samuel picks David. Don't look at the size of these guys. No, it's him. I've said because God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart, and he sees sees the shepherds' hearts. And uh, kids, um, I know in um, kids' core, I think during the year, there was a psalm in which it comes from the Old Testament, in which we're told that God is a shepherd. Can anyone remember that psalm? Can you remember which psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. Can you remember that Psalm twenty-three? Okay, Psalm twenty-three. So, shepherds and the Bible and and the the, um, God is referred to as the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus refers to himself in John 10 as, I am the good shepherd. So that's the, it seems that there's a shepherd theme in the Bible. And these shepherds, therefore, it's appropriate that God tells them about this good news. Moses, by the burning bush, can anybody tell me what he was doing while he was by the burning bush? What was he? Look, what creatures was he looking after? It's sheep, wasn't it? He was, he was a shepherd when he was taught. David, selected by God, we've already referred to him, was a shepherd boy looking after sheep it's, so there's something here shepherds and this is another thing I'm not big on agriculture I know that animals are smelly I know that from my, my, my father-in-law he was a dairy farmer that if you're knocking around animals it smells a bit with sheep okay in, 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 um, in uh, the uh, Middle East in England we get a dog to chase the sheep don't we? we chase them and then you get guys on quad bikes chasing the sheep all around In, 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 in Egypt, uh, sorry, in Israel in this time what would happen is that the shepherd would walk, and the sheep would run in a straight line behind him. They'd walk. He would follow his the flock, and he'd know, they'd know his voice. I've heard that before. They'd you know so. And the other thing with goats, you've got to chase goats. You've got to you know. But with sheep, they, fo- they follow. So they were, they were trusting, and just again another bit about shepherds in the New Testament. The word shepherd is translated or is, yeah, it's translated to to pastor. Okay, so pastors shepherd. They nurture, they care for. So that's a little bit about the shepherds. That's about the night, the hill in Bethlehem, and some of the history. Now let's look at how the shepherds react. They react, um, Anna, in fear. And because an angel appears to them. And, and I just say there's, there's no tinsel here, there's nothing... Twee about this. An, a mighty angel of God shrouded in God's glory appears to them. And they are absolutely terrified. Um, I'm not a Greek scholar, but if, I've got a, a Bible that's got English and Greek underneath it, and it, it translates it. And it's not like English, you know, English. It says, they were afraid with fear great. That, I mean, their, their fear was absolutely, I don't know how, whether you've ever been frightened by things, but they were absolutely petrified. And quite rightly, Absolutely rightly. Because one of the commentators said, one of the first things that people should feel when they see or are um, put in front of a holy God is fear. Because being put in front of a holy God, the first thing that comes to your mind is judgment. And you are so, so aware of your own weakness, your own inability to be holy like him. And in fact... In Philippians, in chapter two uh, and verse twelve, Paul tells the the, the, the um, Philippians there, "Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose." Which is great. So we're told to actually have a holy fear, fear and trembling before God. Is that is that our heart? Now let's look at some of the other people who were afraid in Scripture. Okay, because Scripture is full of people who were terrified. At God, so we, we, one of my favourite stories, and this isn't quite fear, but it shows a sudden, oh, "I know who you are." There's a wonderful story later on in, in, in Luke where Jesus has just calmed the storm in the boats, and it's calm, and the, a penny drops in Peter's mind, and he goes, "Oh, go away from me! God. I'm a sinful man!" And he sort of you can see him shrinking back in the boat. Suddenly, this is the It's you. And he, he shrinks away. And then John in Revelation, he's on, he's on exile, in exile in Patmos, and he has a revelation of God, and he falls flat on his face. Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, that great prophet, it keeps telling, I mean, he must have had stability problems, because he's keeping on falling over. Because that's the response, that's the response when, when, when you're faced with a holy God, you fall. You fall flat on your face. So, just a question. How, how did I come to him? Did I fall flat on my face when I came to him? And I don't mean, you know, groveling. I mean, as in, did I realize the holy, wonderful one, this baby who was born in a manger, this one who was God incarnate, did I fall flat on my face or did I, did I go, okay then, alright, if you insist, I'll come. Or did I realize, no, this is the Lord of glory. So the lessons from the shepherds is, they have this vision. They are robbed of the uh, ability to have a a second choice. No, and angels told them, this is the Lord. This is Yahweh. And let's look at how they respond, okay? So they get this message. Now, there's other people who've been visited recently in in Luke by angels. I've, I've referred to them already. So you've got Mary, okay? Mary, she's told by Gabriel. We're told it's Gabriel says, "You will be with child, and the Holy Spirit." And what what her reaction is? Okay, but how will that be? How will that work? And then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And and Gabriel tells her. So that's a sort of a question, yeah. But it's an inquiry. It's not a case of uh, you know opposing the message. Then Zechariah, he's John the Baptist's dad in the temple, and an angel appears to him, and his reaction is basically. How do I know this is true? And 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 the angel says, right, because of your attitude, you're going to be not be able to speak. You're going to be dumb until your your sons. But the but the shepherds don't react like that, do they? They don't react like this in this in this passage. They actually, um, what's it say that they do? Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us all about. It's brilliant. There's no question. So their hearts. I talked about their hearts, perhaps being humble and open to God. But they may have been acting str- just out of fear, out of absolute fear, but that's no bad thing. That fear led to obedience. They may have been terrified, but they went to um, Bethlehem to see. And one of the things that I've heard over the years that if these uh, shepherds have been really switched on theologians, really bright guys, and they were told by the angel, so today in, in, in Bethlehem, The Savior, who is both Messiah, the promised king that we've heard about during the year this year, and Lord, that word Lord is Yahweh. He's both the Messiah and maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all, the ancient of days. If those guys were switched on, they would have said, what on earth can be so wrong, so incredibly wrong, that Yahweh, the Lord of glory himself, has come down? What could be so drastically wrong? Well, we know what was wrong. The world had turned away from God. It had been in rebellion. That was what was so wrong. And God had no other option but to come down and do something. And this is what we see. This supernatural intervention of God. So what we're doing is we're looking at how the shepherds react. OK, bit by bit, we're seeing their heart, their immediate reaction. One of the things they do also is, is later on in, in, in verse 20, they start to um, just praise God and worship him. They've been impacted um, by this wonderful story. They've seen the angels that in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that the angels themselves. Um, and it says, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, this is this is Jesus. Let God, he let God's angels worship him. He lets God's angels worship him. So they'd seen all this. They'd gone into Bethlehem. They'd gone into the stall or it might have been a cave or a primitive house with animals in it. And they'll have seen Mary and Joseph. And they'll have seen a child, an infant, placed on a crib. And my understanding of a crib is that it's, it's a crude wooden structure on which you can lay down a life. So they'd seen this, and look at their reaction. In verse 20, they'd seen the Savior. They'd heard it from the angels. They rush off saying, let's see if it's true. Let's see it. Not, how do we know it's true? Or, oh, how will this? No, they go, and they go, and they see him. And when they've seen the Savior, look at their reaction. It's wonderful. They're glorifying and praising God. I suggest they will have been affected for the rest of their lives by that night on the mountain. On the hill looking after their their, um, their sheep. I'll bet you they'd tell their kids and their, and their grandkids. I'll bet you they couldn't shut up. And it's interesting looking at the reaction of the people who hear this. Some were amazed. And some of the commentators say, when it means amazed, it means, what are these guys on about? Whereas, whereas Mary, she treasured it. She heard that all this, he's the Messiah. He's the Yahweh. He's the Savior. She, tre- they tre- she treasured it in her heart. So the question for us then, okay, so we've seen the Saviour, we're hearing about him, or have we seen the Saviour? Have we heard about him? In in 1 Peter it says, Though you have not seen him with your eyes, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you've seen Jesus, you can't help but have that And I think as I've spoken over the last year, I've had the privilege of speaking a couple of times, I've shared with you the fact that I'm not necessarily the most joyous guy in here. I have episodes of great darkness. And I'm quite shy, bizarrely, I am quite shy. And if I can enter a room and hide in the corner, I will, when there's a group of people. That's just how I'm wired. But this inexpressible and glorious joy, when we see him, and I don't know what your experience with Jesus is, with the Savior is. But we're meant to have something. We're meant to experience something. Romans 5 talks about this, this hope that's being poured into our hearts. It's meant to be experienced. Otherwise, it seems a bit odd that God would say, oh, maybe you can feel this glorious joy, but I'm not going to let you. No, it's meant to be experienced. And that will sustain people. I'm going to move rapidly on because I'm trying to keep within the hour, okay? But I've got just a few points that I want to try and... Uh, um, mop up with and i was challenged when i read um, john calvin because um, john calvin i thought was 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 it a 16th century 17th century great theologian and i thought he'd be really quite boring and but very bright could do hebrew and greek and all these wonderful things he's a very very bright man and he says this and this really struck me so this is john calvin he says we are convicted of more than brutal stupidity if our faith and our zeal to praise god are not inflamed by the song which the angels sang in harmony and i thought oh i don't want to be con- you know convicted of brutal stupidity if my heart so when when you hear this song he's the messiah he's the promised one of god he's the savior who will deliver us from our sin he's yahweh the lord of glory that's incredible this explosion of grace Into the world. Yahweh comes down. And one of the things that I love about verse 20, and and as we sort of come into lands now, and a final bit that we perhaps could learn from the shepherds, is that they go on their way praising and glorifying God, because everything had been just as they'd been told. Surprise, surprise. God is faithful. His word, when it tells us that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, he is the way of salvation, it is just as we have been told. It will be just as he has written in here. And as I get on in my life, I realize, um, sometimes, why am I so thick? Why did I not get this earlier? I wish, I wish someone had told me when I was a, a little one, love Jesus with all your heart. Absolutely, more than anything else. I wish I'd known that as a kid. So children... Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Adults, maybe you've never done that in your life. Maybe nobody's ever told you. But like the shepherds who have a revelation of Jesus, can I encourage you to love him more than anything else? So what we've done is we've looked at the shepherds and we've seen they've had holy fear. They've been terrified. They had a faithful response when they heard the angel's message. They went, without question. They were rejoicing. And also, I haven't missed the fact that they told people as well. And those some of those people were amazed, and some of those people treasured it. And I'm I'm suggesting that perhaps we treasure. So, this morning, I want the great message of joy that the angels came to... To be alive in your heart. That's that's as I've been praying about this morning. I genuinely want you know to know that inexpressible and glorious joy in your heart. That's what the Father wants for us. And as we look forward into 2017, He wants to fill us with His Spirit that we would know this wonderful joy. Yeah? He wants that for us so much. And I'm gonna pray and ask a blessing. I'm going to ask God to bless us as we go forward. But just a parting observation. The shepherds go into the stall and they see a life laid down on a primitive wooden structure. The life starts there and the life is sacrificed on a primitive, a crude wooden structure in Jerusalem. Jesus came to save by paying this great price. That's why the, the, the greatest message that ever passed angel lips was given to these shepherds. And that's why all of a sudden the whole army of angels burst out singing glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's an awesome story of great joy. So as we sort of finish this year, as we look forward to the day together with friends and loved ones, my heart is that you will be filled with that joy. That you'll know that joy. That it won't be religious. It won't be distant. It will be your experience. So can I, con- I want to pray. I want to bless us and just commit this day and the rest of our time to our wonderful Savior. Father, I thank you so much. This is a, an old, old story. We've heard it year after year. But it's full of grace, this explosion of grace. Father, I pray by your spirit that we would know more of this grace. Lord, that we would have the peace that the angels talk to. I pray a blessing on City Church Sheffield, on my brothers and sisters here. I bless them with a peace, a peace um, between themselves and God. I pray for a peace between themselves and other men and a peace, Lord, internally That a clean and forgiven heart can have a steadfast and upright spirit from you. Lord, and I pray for, as it says in Psalm 51, restore the joy of your salvation. Restore the joy of your salvation, Lord, to us, Lord God. I pray a blessing. Father, I bless City Church. I bless my brothers and sisters here in Jesus' name. I I bless their bank accounts. I bless their families. I bless their, their meal tables. I bless their relationships. Lord, I bless them. Because the heavenly Father, the Lord, is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. He leads us in green pastures by quiet waters. He restores our souls. He blesses us. Goodness and mercy will. It will pursue us. It will catch us up. It will overtake us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever no matter what route we take. Father, your blessing, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.